1 Corinthians 15, we are looking at verses 12 through 19. We will pray and read the word of the Lord and ask him to teach us. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 19. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God. Because we have testified against God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise. If in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. We hoped in Christ in this life only. We are of all men most to be pitied. Father, help us to hear the urgency of this day, the urgency in your church, the power of the resurrection. Father, Paul here tells us this is of first importance. And yet, Lord, the forsaking of your word has led to where we are today. Help us, Lord, to hear. Help us, Lord, to understand. Help us, Lord, to stand firm. Help us, Lord, that we are not tossed to and fro by the waves of this world, our society. Help us, Lord. Help us to walk in a manner worthy of what you do. In Christ's name, amen. We are working on... An outline that I have entitled this section, The Importance of the Bodily Resurrection. And it has two consequences to it in this text. The theological consequences, which we are in the middle of today, or we will conclude today. uh, And then the personal consequences that I will pick up uh, the next time I'm at the pulpit. All right. And I share this with you because there are so many ramifications involved in this text, this phrasing that I am convinced that Christendom has um, no idea. He gives us the first 11 verses. He defends eyewitnesses' account of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right, so he sets the stage and says, these 11 verses prove in a bodily resurrection. But then in verse 12, he says, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? All right, And it is alive and well today, brothers and sisters, and it is not in the cults. It is in the body of Christ. Years ago, in the early 60s, there was a group that started forming, and we called them the liberals. And they basically had a mindset that said, in the Bible is contained the Word of God. But what they were trying to show you was, is that because of science and because of our understanding of natural laws... It is impossible for these miracles. It was, it was fought tooth and nail by the evangelical community that this was insane. 
And they were disregarded as a bunch of heretics. And they got no press, they got no time, they got nothing. Nothing at all. But what they ended up doing was selling their hermeneutics. Okay, hermeneutics is our method of study. They started saying, we have a good way to study. You need to study this way. All right, and when you follow their hermeneutics, you will come to what they taught that we said was heresy. That is alive and well. And one of the things that you hear today is that the resurrection is a spiritual thing. There is no bodily resurrection. And it goes back to the Greeks that were teaching at the time of the Corinthian church that the body was evil and that the spirit was good. And when your body died, your spirit would be released into deity. I see that today. I see it today. You know how I see it the primary way? Psychology that is clothed as biblical counseling. You realize how silly that is? He can only raise the dead. That's all. And what science do you have that's going to do that? What can you do with that? I, I try to get people to understand this. Do you understand how important this is? And you know what? He says, his argument is so good. He says, listen, if there is no resurrection, then Christ didn't rise. But he says, I've already given you 11 verses of almost 600 witnesses, eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Christ. He also says, if the dead are not raised, Christ didn't rise. What is our preaching? It's useless. It's vain. It has no, it's empty. It doesn't accomplish a thing. And then last week we looked at it that our faith is the same degree. Our faith has no value to it. It is worthless. It is empty. It accomplishes nothing. But now I want to show you something that is amazing. And the ramifications that come out of this, um, well, you'll see. Verse 15. I've told you that we have seven consequences. Okay? Four of them are theological, three of them are personal. We are on our fourth theological consequence. It appears there in verse 15. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testify against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. Okay, that's what we're going to look at. All right? We testify... We, we proclaim, we witness, we say, we are evidence of God raised Christ from the dead. A bodily, physical resurrection. The tomb is empty. Remember the grave clothes were laying on the rock. All right? He ate. They touched. He says, Thomas, touch. See, a spirit does not have touch. You can't touch a spirit. We testify of God that he raised him up. If God did not raise Christ, then we are liars. We don't like that word today. We use exaggeration. Liars just seems so harsh. No, you are liars. You are liars. And he's referring to the apostles. He's referring to the apostles. 
Let me ask you a question. Did Allah raise up Muhammad? Is there any deity that is worshipped out there that raised anybody? Buddha never raised anybody. Okay? I mean, the Dalai Lama even admits to it. He says, no, the holy scriptures of the Dalai Lama will change as science proves these things wrong. Cool. That'll be an interesting time, won't it? They believe that the world was suspended on the back of an elephant. I think that that's been busted. Um, where'd the elephant go? We're falling. No. <laughs> Just kidding. I want you to think about this because this claim is exclusive to Christianity. Now, Judaism, you will find in Judaism, a lot of the Jews today believe that the speakings and the writings of the resurrection were an analogy and or an allegory. Many Jews. That it's not a literal resurrection. Now, they do believe in life after death, but they believe that it is a, a spiritual place. And we need to look at this as it flows through. And that's what we've been kind of watching. I have 11 verses of eyewitnesses, eyewitness accounts of the resurrection. 11 verses. All right? And then he says, if Christ didn't raise him from the dead, what has happened? then none of us are raised from the dead. Not only that, our preaching is useless. Not only that, we are liars. We are liars. If the dead don't rise, then God didn't raise Jesus. And if God didn't raise Jesus, then we are liars. Because they've been telling everybody that he was raised from the dead. This goes back years and years and years, 2,000 years ago. I mean, the Romans, they paid the Romans guards who were guarding his tomb and to say, hey, they come and stole his body at night. Really? I've heard, you hear it today and it's, well, he, they call it the swoon. That he passed out and they thought he was dead. They threw him in a tomb. All right, and in the coolness of this tomb, he awoken, got enough strength together after hanging on a cross for about four hours by his arms and his feet, and he rolled the stone away and walked on the road to Emmaus and run into his buddies. And he wasn't limping. Perhaps that's a miracle. Listen, we not only lose our faith. But we've also lost the ability to believe the apostles. Now, I, this is alive and well. There's a book out, and I highly recommend it. It's called The Jesus Crisis. Okay, and what they're trying to do is say that the gospel record, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that the first letter actually was the gospel of Mark. Okay, now they say the reason is, in that text, it doesn't say, upon this rock I shall build my church, and therefore... We've defeated the Catholics. All right? 
because the Catholics believe that the Pope is a direct descendant of Peter and upon that would be da-da-da. That's why they say that the church has the ultimate authority, not the scriptures. And so if we put Mark first, of course, Mark is the shortest gospel and the other three, the authors use little literary license to embellish it a little more. Okay, well then you, what you're saying is is that the apostles are liars. They are liars. Do you see what happened when a person takes one thing out of the Bible and tries to discard it? Well, I, I believe in the resurrection. Do you believe in the role of man and woman? Or was that a cultural thing? What was it? Well, do you believe that a man's supposed to love his wife as best he can? No, as Christ loved the church and gave himself. We always like the women to submit. I want to see men love their wives as Christ loves the church. Or wait. Perhaps that was an embellishment. Because it says the two are one. I know a, a pastor in Denver right now. She's the pastor. And the reason she is, her husband died and he was the pastor. And if the two are one, then when he dies, guess who gets the pulpit? That's the best reason I've heard. I mean, I'm like, man, I'll give you originality on that one. I mean, I, by golly, you got something going there. I mean, that's other than some of this other silly I hear people say, I want to deny the resurrections, but, you know, the apostles were all a bunch of wonderful guys with good intentions. Because I deny the resurrection. I haven't seen a bodily resurrection. Really? You're listening to a bunch of liars then. Okay? And, and there's some fascinating stuff about this that I think we missed. The beginning of the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, one of these must, when they were trying to replace Judas, all right, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Now that's a scary thought because they said that the person who will become an apostle had to see what? How scary is that? Chapter 2, verse 42, they were con the groups were all gathering together and there was 5,000 added, there was 3,000 added and they were continually, verse 42, chapter 2, says they were continually devoting themselves to what? To the apostles' teachings. What were they teaching? The resurrection. Why? Because for him to be Lord and Savior, he has to get out of the grave. Listen, bottom line of all of our ministries, of all of their ministries, of all ministries that have ever existed, bottom line is the resurrection. Is the resurrection. Now, you've got to ask yourself a question. What problem do you have if he's only raising the dead? The whole thing, if... There is no resurrection. The whole thing is a phony. The whole thing is a lie. And why would people devote themselves? 
Well, another argument that I have heard, they were well-meaning fellows. They were just a tad misguided. You know, the, the emotion and the enthusiasm of the moment. Let me tell you something. If there is no resurrection, these are false witnesses. They are deceivers. They are liars. They claim God raised Jesus when God didn't. That's a pretty bold claim if you really think about it. That's a very bold claim. You know what? There is no religion on the planet earth that claims that and accomplished it. My question to people who do not believe in the bodily resurrection or they have some kind of idea of what the bodily resurrection is, they make the apostles liars, false witnesses, false testimony. My next question is this. What other part of the epistles don't you like? Because now, if there is no bodily resurrection, it was written by the apostles, then I can take other parts and says they were lying. An interesting thought, isn't it? What do you say of all the people who have ever preached the New Testament? They're preaching lies. Listen, these are not just honest men giving bad advice. Please understand that. They say Jesus arose. They said they saw him. They touched him. And if the dead don't rise, then Jesus didn't rise. They didn't see him and they didn't touch him. That makes them liars. Doesn't make them, well, they, they were just close. You know, their intentions were honorable. They were trying to keep a movement going. No. You see the circle of Paul's reasoning here, and it begins in verse 13. If there's no resurrection, not even Christ died. And he gives it, now he literally, he gives 11 verses of truth, of eyewitness accounts of the resurrection. Okay, almost 600 witnesses to the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he says, if that didn't happen, if you still say that there is no bodily resurrection, then understand this, Christ didn't rise. If, he, if there's no resurrection of the dead, there's no resurrection of Christ. If there's no resurrection of Christ, what is this preaching? What is this good news? What is your faith, Corinthians? What is your faith, everyone else? And then you take the testimony of the apostles and it forms a unit. You either believe all of it or none of it. Okay? Believe in the resurrection of Jesus and not the rest? Really? I see people who try to do that. Listen, it's like a TV show. No deal. No deal. You either take the whole package, this suitcase with all of it in it, 
or no deal. No resurrection? But I do believe, there's no resurrection, but I do believe the apostles, they're a bunch of great guys, man. It was obvious they were morally upright. Guess what? No deal. You got a bunch of liars. I don't care how moral you think they are. Even though there wasn't a resurrection, there there won't be one. We put our faith in God. I've had that conversation for the last couple of weeks. All these people come to me and say, but I believe in God. So what about Jesus? Well, I don't know. No deal. No deal. You might as well eat chocolate at Easter. Oh, wait, we do. <laughs> Listen, I want you to understand something about this text right here. Verse 15, you had better remember this text. We are found to be false witnesses of God. You can't cut out anywhere. You can't let anything leak out of the New Testament. If you do, you are saying the authors are what? Liars. That the gospel isn't true. If the dead don't rise and Christ didn't rise, there's no Lord, there is no Savior. He is a poor, pitiful man who died an awful death. That's all he was. The gospel isn't true, your faith is stupid, and the apostles' teachings are lies. The Old Testament saints, they prophesied of the resurrection. And you know what? They were a bunch of liars too. People wanting to not to, to deny any part of Holy Scripture, a little bitty part. You know, the role of man and woman, that was written by Paul. And, you know, he, he wasn't married or he had a bad marriage or something, and he just didn't like women. Really? Give unto God first? No, that can't be what it means. You don't understand. He didn't live in the 21st century. It costs to exist here. People wanting to deny that attack the whole. Do you understand that? Any part of Scripture that I want to take out, when I see a woman stand at the pulpit as a pastor, now listen, I believe women can preach. Don't ever kid yourself. But when I see her take and assert the authority of the church and put herself in there, you're saying that the apostles are liars. What else would you like to disavow from Scripture? But you know what happens? I watch this happen and it causes the body of Christ to draw doubt. And that doubt destroys everything. Why? It goes back a few years ago. Okay? There was this serpent talking to this woman. Okay? And you know what it was that he did that was successful? Has God said? Now listen, she had a little bitty Bible. It said, don't eat of this fruit. <laughs> I mean, that was it. And the serpent sowed in a seed of 
doubt. And when you put a woman in the pastorate as an elder or a leader or a bishop in a church, you're saying that the apostles are liars. You do not believe in a bodily resurrection. You say is a liar. When I hear people tell me that I need to go to counseling, you know what you just said? The apostles are liars. All right? You know what is really scary about the whole thing? You make Jesus a liar. I'll give you one for instance. Comes out of the upper room discourse in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus is preparing to go die. He's in the Last Supper. He's given his last instruction to his disciples. All right? He's explaining to him that he must go because it's going to be better that the Holy Spirit shows up and takes care of everything. Here's what he says. But when he, verse 13, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. All right. Now, Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will do what to the disciples? Give him truth. If the disciples, if the apostles lied, then where is the spirit of truth that Jesus promised? That makes Jesus a liar. He's just a poor victim. Some guy who just got caught up in a revolution and was executed. How do I know which part of the Bible to believe? See, the attack is to the scriptures. Is it truthful? Is it authoritative? That's what the attack is. Who wrote this book? God or men? Yes. Men carried along by the Spirit of God that Jesus promised. And if he did not raise from the dead, then these guys wrote lies. And I have to ask a silly question. Where is the Spirit of truth? Where is the Spirit of truth? I tell people even these days at 20, was it 20 some odd years ago? 20 some odd years ago, I took off in scriptures with this sole purpose to find a contradiction. I know it doesn't sound like a real spiritual thing to go do, but I was tired of hearing the mishy-mashy stuff that was going on called Christianity. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go find the contradictions in this book and then I will be able to shut the mouths of these people. And I tell everybody, I'm still looking. I'm going to keep at it. Listen, you're telling me that the Holy Spirit didn't keep these guys from error? The Holy Spirit who would lead in all truth. Interesting concept, don't you think? Anything else we would like to remove from the Holy Book? Uh, just a few years ago, I don't remember the date, I think it was in the early mid-90s, there was a group of quote-unquote scholars. As soon as you hear that, you should run. But anyway, these were theological scholars, and they took a series of beads on given texts of the four Gospels. 
Okay, and the beads had a coating that they'd come up with. Uh, black meant that Jesus actually did say it, uh, and it goes to a white, and he had grays and red and stuff like this. And he, he may have said it, but it was translated wrong or something like that. But white meant he didn't say it. You know what they concluded on the four Gospels? All four Gospels, 4% of it, Jesus actually said. And it was touted as this great writing, as this great... Research as this great theological understanding has become clear. And everybody jumped on it. And I'm sitting there going, 4%. I've got more red letters in my red letter Bible. 4%. And then they said the rest of it was his disciples kind of augmenting. Okay, then what do you do with John 16? When he says, I will send you the spirit of truth and he will guide you in all truth. Do you understand how important this is? I mean, it goes back a few years ago, just like I said, has God said? You know what the attack today is? Has God said? I mean, think about it. Why are we building the church? Why am I doing a demographic study, sending it out all these lost people so they can tell me what they expect from a church, what they desire from a church? Why are we supposed to build the church? My Bible says... He will build the church and the abode of the dead won't stop it. And you know what? We're living proof. Why is it we believe that music is part of worship? Why do we say that? I mean, we have worship bands. I always preferred Led Zeppelin myself, but I'm thinking that it you know, could cause controversy. All right, and if we're going to raise the dead, let's raise Jerry Garcia and we'll get the Grateful Dead to lead our worship. Because you know what? They're better musicians. Let's raise Stevie Ray Vaughan. I'd like to hear some blues in the church. I, do you see what I'm trying to get at? Why do we buy this stuff? Well, it could help. Wait a minute. I have the only job that has not changed in 6,000 years. Preach the word. Or you can preach the word. Or you can preach the word. And the result is in the hands of God. It ain't up to us. You guys are expecting me to build a church. We're all in trouble. I really wish we could get this through our heads. Because what that is, is an attack on what... The apostles said, and you have just made them liars, and the ramifications are so massive that you are making Christ a liar because he said that I would send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will teach you. He will guide you into all truth. Back to our text, he reiterates the main point there in verse 16. If the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. It's almost like a summary. He's like, do you realize how foolish it is to say Christ? Do you realize how foolish it is to say that there is no resurrection? Do you understand what you're saying? And again, it is the philosophy of the lost, the people who are in the lap of Satan, who are coming in and telling the church how it's supposed to be. Now, somewhere in there, that seems absolutely insane to me absolutely insane 
And yet it is embraced and it is encouraged. All right. I want you to think about this and you'll have a few weeks to do it. Because you just concluded there in verse 15. He reiterates the problem in verse 16. And that is the conclusion of what is the four theological consequences. Okay, theological consequence. What happens to your theology? Okay, what happens to your theology if Christ has not bodily resurrected from the grave? You don't have any theology. You don't have any idea who God is, and the God you've been serving is a liar. So I'm thinking that he may not be the best dude to be following. What happens to your theology? The next three, okay, seven consequences. First four are theological. The next three are personal consequences. Personal consequences. What happens to you and I if there is no bodily resurrection and the first one there is in verse 17 at the end of the verse guess what sin's power is unbroken sin still is the controlling master of humanity and we'll look at that in a few weeks Father thank you thank you for your word Father thank you for your Holy Spirit who leads us in all truth Father, thank you for the amazing things you do. Father, I, I stand in awe of the resurrection of the dead. Oh, Lord. In a, in a season that we are in, the battle rages over, over your word. Father, things haven't changed, have they? Father, help us. I see so many, Father, who are tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. And Father, help them, help those who are being moved around and tossed. Please, Lord, help them to stand firm, to rest full weight. Help them, Lord. Help us. Help us to stand. Help us to be hungry for your word to be students of your book, not books about your book, but your book. Help us, Lord. Help us to drink deep of the wisdom who spoke existence into being. Help us to drink deep. He who raised his own son from the grave, he who will raise humanity in bodily form. Help us, Lord. To your glory and praise, Christ's name, amen.